Hi, everybody. I'm George, and this is The Best Little Horror House in Philly, the show where we talk about the best horror movie ever made, according to our guest, at least. You know, last time we had so much fun doing the uh, Choose Your Own Adventure with our friend Joe, I decided to do do it again. And so we brought back uh, another returning favorite. Darcy Armstrong is here. How's it going, Darcy? Hello. It's going great. How are you? Going great here as well. I'm excited to do this. Uh, Like I said, I had a lot of fun doing the last one. Our Choose Your Own Adventure is something that you grew up on? Oh, absolutely. I am a bit of a reader. Uh, I love (laughs) reading and I devoured these. I have an older brother. And so I feel like we would go to the used bookstore and you could get like credits back for your books. And so we would be like swapping books in and out and we would always get some of these. Hell yeah. They're great. And uh, we've got a real fun looking one today. Just like last time, I didn't do any real looking into it. So it'll be fresh for me too, but we're talking about Choose Your Own Adventure number 33 today, um, called Blood on the Handle by R.A. Montgomery. Ooh. Quite the uh, art on the cover here, huh? Yes. There's a knife um, with blood on it, which is, yeah, that's apropos. You gotta have it. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's like a jaguar. Is that a jaguar? It's uh, that like maybe a bobcat something. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. It's some large cat, certainly larger uh, than the producers here at the best little horror house. <laughs> but it looks like we're in for, for some sort of horror-y thing, maybe like a murder mystery. It should be fun. So I figure let's uh, dive right in. I do want to point out to the listeners that I'm wearing my Benicula shirt. I'm very excited. Great, great series. One that I have very fond memories of. (laughs) Maybe like the best. You know, like if we had to do the best little horror book, it would be (laughs) way up there. Absolutely. You get that. You get your uh, scary stories to tell in the dark and you get a couple of Goosebumps books showing up and there's your Mount Rushmore. (laughs) (laughs) This is to Peter Banta and of course, Ramsey. Of course, I assume Ramsey. Ramsey Bolton. Yeah, <laughs> they they were big Game of Thrones fans for the Choose Your Own Adventure. Although you know they were both uh, could have been in the same D and D groups. You know, a lot of uh, <laughs> there's the usual warning at the beginning here about how you and you alone are in charge of what happens in this story. Darcy, you're gonna have to use all of your numerous talents and much of your enormous intelligence. Maybe not all of it, but much of it. <laughs> the wrong decision could end in disaster, even death. So here we go. First of all set the scene we get a nice exterior of the of a mansion here and it's uh, a guy looking very suspicious in his uh dark suit and uh, and glasses here while uh, there's someone watering the plants in the back he kind of so. looks like harrison ford just picture harrison ford <laughs> yeah exactly it's, it's right down to the typical harrison ford grumpiness so <laughs> your uncle morgan's house sits isolated on top of a small hill in the garden district of new orleans louisiana it's spacious and in excellent condition your uncle calls it swan song your uncle is a bachelor in his early 40s and by profession a writer and explorer besides that uncle morgan is a wealthy man a very wealthy man you are his only living relative Ever since your parents disappeared on a sailboat in the Caribbean six months ago, you've lived with Uncle Morgan in his house on the hill. A cook and a handyman keep things running pretty well. The cook is particularly kind to you. Her name is Maxine, and although she isn't too much older than you, she keeps Swansong organized and a fun place to be. You're glad she's there, especially since your uncle is often away on trips all over the world. First of all, let me just say that I feel like explorer should come before writer when you're listing your <laughs> professions. I feel like right now, only wealthy people get to label themselves as explorers <laughs> in general. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's not like this book came out like 
in the <laughs> 1920s or so, like even before that, like this is a uh, 1970s, 1980s, you know, things are pretty well explored at this point, but you get to go away with him on short vacations sometimes. However, there's something strange about all this. It's the visitors to the house. Although Uncle Morgan refuses to explain why, the visitors are usually foreign. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I was already getting, like, colonist vibes, so. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. They come either alone or in groups of two. Never more than that. They stay a couple of days with your uncle, locked away in his large book-lined study. Then they leave, or so it always seems to you, vanish. Uncle Morgan usually packs up and leaves shortly thereafter. He doesn't give you any explanation. Once you kidded your uncle about being a spy, it was about the only time you've ever seen him angry at you. You must not speak about what you do not know, he told you. This is all very serious, maybe even a little too serious. And there's an intense picture of him telling you it's too serious. <laughs> it's actually just the Joker asking why, so... <laughs> And, uh, and yet you've always wondered. You can't help but imagine Uncle Morgan being involved in the mysterious activities that adventure books are written about. It's early autumn, and the leaves around Uncle Morgan's house are turning colors and starting to fall to the ground. It's late afternoon, and you're on your way home from school. Being the last person on the bus gives you a creepy feeling. The bus drops you off at the end of an unpaved drive that leads almost a mile up to your uncle's house, Swansong. Then you are alone. A cool wind comes, and you zip up your jacket and head on up the drive. For some unknown reason, you sense that something is not quite right. There is a solemnity, a heaviness in the air that tingles your nerves and makes your every footstep seem louder than you would expect. You continue to trudge up the hill, but Swansong looks cold and uninviting. The first thing you notice when you near the house is that next to your Uncle Morgan's Jaguar X358 uh, is a foreign car which you have never seen before. Heath, the handyman, is nowhere to be seen, even though he's usually working in the yard at this time. Oh, well, you say to yourself, just another one of Uncle Morgan's friends. You push the do front door open and enter the house. Maxine, Maxine, I'm home, you yell. But there's no welcoming response. A scuffling sound from the direction of the study attracts your attention. Slowly you approach, reluctant to call out for Uncle Morgan if he's deeply involved in one of his meetings. The hair on the back of your neck stiffens. The door to the study is open slightly. Advancing slowly, you listen. There are no sounds. No voices. Uncle Morgan, you manage in a low voice. Uncle Morgan, it's me. No response. You push open the door to the study. Blood! <laughs> There's blood <laughs> splattered all around. On the oak-paneled walls, on the yellow sofa, on the floor. Ooh, that does not sound appealing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and in the middle of the room is a large dagger sticking through the oriental carpet buried in the oak floor beneath. The handle of the dagger shivers with the fresh blood, and there's no one in the room. No one except you. I gotta say, they're really making the most of the shadow work in uh, in this artwork here. Oh, yeah. Um, it's really creepy. Yeah. I mean, even the picture of this kid, like, walking up in front of the car, like, he's creeping up on it. <laughs> I don't know why. I looked up the Jaguar, and they that's a good drawing of it. That's what it looks like. They uh, they did their research. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, my God. Still no, still no decision. So, strike one. Choose your own adventure book. <laughs> the dagger is from your uncle's collection of exotic weapons from around the world. You recognize it at once, and a quick sweep of the room reveals the empty spot on the wall with an Apali Kukuri with its vicious curved tongue-like blade once hood, once hung, <laughs> even. <laughs> then you hear it. A car door. No, two car doors. Slamming. 
Ducking to the window, you watch as the mysterious foreign car roars off. You think you catch a glimpse of Uncle Morgan's ashen face against the back window. You don't know whether he's dead or alive. Quickly, without taking the time to figure things out, you run down the back stairs and to the garage. Your uncle's birthday present to you last June was a Kawasaki S2350. Really specific with yeah, the like vehicles. A car guy wrote this. <laughs> yeah, he, he didn't actually want to write an adventure. He just wanted <laughs> to talk about cars. He's like, yeah, I love this Jaguar. Oh, this Kawasaki dirt bike. And the engine turns over smoothly. And in a spray of fine gravel, you roar down the driveway in pursuit of the speeding car. The bike accelerates around the sharp corner. You hit 75 miles per hour and lean hard, slowing the bike through the curve, hoping the wheels will carve through the gravelly surface. A fall now would toss you into the pine trees, causing certain injury or even death. Soon you're at the end of the drive and onto the narrow two-lane blacktop. It's a difficult series of curves and fallaway corners that's risky at anything above the speed limit. But your speed is coming up on 80 miles per hour. And that's above the speed limit. (laughs) You're now driving by instinct. That is definitely above the speed limit. Sorry, I'm in Texas. Yeah. (laughs) The car ahead of you is accelerating through the turns, but you push on, gaining slightly. Then you hear it, the sound of your Uncle Morgan's Jaguar. It's right behind you. You quickly check your rearview mirror and see two men whom you've never seen before. One of them holds a weapon outside the passenger window. You have to react quickly. If you try to dodge the car behind you, you may lose track of your Uncle Morgan. On the other hand, if you continue your chase, you might get seriously hurt. Oh boy, I smell a decision coming up. Here we go. If you give up the chase and escape, click here. If you accelerate and continue, click here. All right, Darcy, the time has come. I'm on my motorbike. I'm going fast. I gotta accelerate. I gotta continue. Life is a highway. As the great Tom Petty once said. (laughs) (laughs) Bending low over your motorcycle, you twist the throttle wide open and the powerful engine accelerates to your command. The bike roars off, the uneven, harsh blacktop road perilously close to you as you power through turns and up and down the rolling countryside. You're gaining on the car with Uncle Morgan in it. Surprisingly, no one is firing back at you from that car. Easing a bit on the throttle, you back off. What will I do when I catch them, you ask yourself. (laughs) Good question. You have no answer. The noise of a tremendous crash comes from behind. The crash is followed by a muffled explosion, and you see a reddish cloud of smoke and flames in your rearview mirror. The Jaguar has gotten off the road. Holy shit. (laughs) You no longer need to worry about the men following you in that car. Are they dead? Uh, It seems that way. (laughs) This is is intense. (laughs) This escalated quickly. Yeah. Wow. Several cars (laughs) and a delivery truck pass by in the oncoming lane, witness to your murder. (laughs) Uh, the, The book doesn't say that. I added that. But it's true. Manslaughter at the very least. And the presence of others on the lonely road gives you some hope and courage. There's a small town up ahead with a, co- with a country store, gas station, and post office, but it's not a busy spot, and the chance of finding help there is slim. You continue in your pursuit, hoping for the best. Both you and the car are cruising at about 60 miles per hour, fast for the road, but not really dangerous, barring any unexpected obstacles. <laughs> oh. So- oh, oh, I wonder if an unexpected obstacle will come. <laughs> Suddenly, without warning, wow, there we go, the back of the window opens, or the back window of the car opens, and a large gray bundle comes flying out. No way. You hit the brakes, then open the throttle, simultaneously swinging the handlebars through a sharp arc, enabling you to barely miss the object that sits in the road. Car guy wrote this. <laughs> Dude, for real. This is just like someone who's dreaming about, like, oh, I wish I was on my motorbike right now. My exactly. other car is a motorcycle. <laughs> And uh, shuddering to a stop, you leap from the motorcycle and race towards the bundle, figuring that it's your Uncle Morgan. The bundle is full of clothes and a seat cushion from the car. They are stained with blood. 
You give the bundle a vicious kick. The bundle you literally just said you thought was your Uncle Morgan. Oh, oh, I see. This is him realizing that it's, in fact, not Uncle Morgan and being upset. Because you scramble back onto your bike. Once again, you risk your life speeding recklessly to catch up. But luck is with you. A patch of road construction ahead has slowed traffic. And in a minute, you're once again within range of the car. This time, however, a hand reaches out the back window and the red and orange flashes are followed by bullets. One of the shots hits your left rearview mirror, shattering the glass and covering your arms with sharp fragments. Then the firing stops as the car comes to a stop. The front door is open, and out steps the driver, a well-built young man and a pretty woman, about the same age. They hold up their hands to show you that they're not armed, <laughs> gesturing for you to come over to them. You're not sure what they want. It might be risky to get close to them. To the right, there is a side road. If you risk finding out what they want, click here. If you duck down the side road click here now let's talk this through i'm nervous yeah they ju- they're showing you they're not armed but also they are armed Who and they the just gun? shot at you yeah <laughs> i don't know i don't know it's it's up to you but you know sus is all i'm gonna say i mean if if we talk to them you know we might find out what's going on if we don't talk to them we may just go get a snack so the real thing is is that this was the whole point i mean we got we caught up to them <laughs> so <laughs> uh let's find out what they want I, you know okay we're doing it we gotta we gotta risk it for the biscuit you wonder what the man and woman want as you slowly climb off the bike push it up on its kickstand and look at them as they calmly wait for you besides the large foreign car the distance between you and them is about 20 feet as you hesitate the woman smiles and beckons to you to join them uncle morgan's face appears in the rear window of the car his face is devoid of emotion there is no signal no clue to help you with your decision Hesitantly, you step across the moss-covered surface of the bog and head towards the man and the woman. Don't be afraid, the man says. We won't hurt you. We are friends of your uncle's. He wants you to come with us. I don't understand. The blood. The shooting, you stammer. Don't worry about the blood. The bullets were a mistake. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, our bad. (laughs) Oops. Uh, they, They seemed real enough to me. You bring your hand across your arm where the bullet nicked you. We thought you were someone else. It was a mistake. Come, talk to your uncle. Uncle Morgan's face slides back, away from the rear window, and you're left with practically no alternative. Any attempt to escape at this point might be dangerous for you or your uncle. Moving almost in slow motion, you advance on the car and the two people. See for yourself, the woman says, (laughs) opening the rear door. (laughs) Peering inside the door, you look at your Uncle Morgan. He gives you a sickly smile of recognition and raises a hand in salute. His white shirt and tweed jacket are stained with blood. I didn't want you to get involved, he murmurs. What's going on, you ask, shocked at his condition. Get on your bike and turn around, he says. How can I? They won't let me. They work for me, your uncle replies, nodding at the man and the woman. Uh, I'm actually going to change this woman voice because that's going to get real annoying. <laughs> I do that the whole time if she's in here for a while. So, <clears throat> uh, it would be it would be better at, mm, how do I want to do this? <laughs> you want me to do it? <laughs> yeah, all right. You, you take her, too. It would be better if you stayed with us. We could use your help. The woman says, you're not sure what to do. You finally found your Uncle Morgan, and he looks like he needs your help. But who knows what will happen to you if you go along with them, you wonder. If you get back on your bike and turn around, click here. If you stay to help your Uncle Morgan, click here. We gotta stay. We gotta stay. Yeah, we gotta stay. We can't leave our bloodied uncle. Uncle Morgan, I can't (laughs) leave you like this, you say. See, exactly. Yep. It's dangerous. 
Come, we're wasting time. We're lucky the car crashed back there. But that doesn't mean we've stopped them or that we're safe. Get in. The man says. You slide in the back seat next to your uncle and slam the door shut. Within seconds, the four of you are hurtling down the road at high speeds. What happened, you ask your uncle. Don't worry. I'll be all right, Uncle Morgan whispers. Where are we going, you ask, encouraged by the fact that these people seem to be helping your Uncle Morgan. <laughs> Don't know. What? <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk later. Take care of your uncle. There's a first aid kit back there somewhere. Then keep an eye out for anyone following us. Sure enough, there's a small but mostly complete first aid kit and a canvas tote bag under the driver's seat in front of you. You take out a large compress and a pressure bandage. Peeling back the shirt from the wound, you see the torn flesh still oozing blood. Placing the compress (laughs) against the wound, you wrap the pressure bandage around your uncle. It's awkward and difficult inside the car, but you manage. The car rattles down a bumpy dirt road. You think you recognize the location. It's the road to the yacht club on the bay. The season is over, and most of the boats, including your uncle's, have been put away. Oh, good heavens. (laughs) The road is a dead end, you notice. If there's anything out there, or if there's anyone out there, we'll be caught for sure, you say. The car comes to a halt in the Yacht Club parking lot. Ghostly forms of sailboats swathed in protective canvas against the coming winter stand in their cradles around the parking lot. A light evening wind has picked up, and some of the rigging rattles against the tall aluminum masts. Hurry, we haven't much time, the woman says. They could be here, you know. Who, you ask, but she doesn't answer you. The headlights of a car coming over the hill down the dirt road. Someone is still following you. Hurry, we've got to launch. The man says. Let's get out of here. You know the yacht club, and you could probably find a better hiding place in a boat or one of the worksheds. Although you have gone along with them so far, now might be the time to speak up. If you go with Uncle Morgan and them to the launch, click here. If you press your commandments, commandments, if you press your companions to follow you, click here. All right, Darcy, do we want to uh, step up and be leaders here, or do we want to uh, let the people with guns take charge? What do you think? I mean, we know this. We know this boat area. Sure. So it seems like we should say something, you know. Uh, I'm on board for that. They're sure to find us if we go to the launch. Follow me. There isn't much time, you command. To your amazement, the man and woman agree. Okay. Okay. Lead on. This better be good or we're dead. Okay. Let's talk. Hold on. Look at this awesome picture. So we finally get a glimpse of the woman and she's got a sick hat with like a peacock feather sticking out of it. What looks like a like a, a mur like a fur like cape. It's like a fur stole kind of thing. Wow. Or and right. some kind of huge pistol that she is pointing off screen with a look of grim determination, I'd say. <laughs> quite quite the artwork here. And uh They go around quickly to the back and help Uncle Morgan from the car. They support him as best as they can, but it's slow work. Meanwhile, you have found the key to the sail loft in its usual hiding place. With a reassuring click, the lock opens and you go in. The old sail loft is now being used for the storage of several large motorboats. The Toro Mio looms in the darkness (laughs) in front of you. It's a 53-foot cruiser of old design. Okay, not just a car guy. He's a boat guy, too. (laughs) He's a transportation guy. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he's a transportation enthusiast. If you don't make it to a train. <laughs> God help us if we get to a ferry. <laughs> oh, no. You've always admired the Toto Mio. There's a ladder leaning against it, probably left by a ship's carpenter doing repairs. Scrambling up to the deck, you're dismayed to find the little door to the main cabin is locked. Uh, you, your ears pick up the noise of a car in the parking lot and more ominous sound of voices and people running. I'm afraid it's all over, Uncle Morgan. No, that wasn't Uncle Morgan's voice. Excuse me. 
<laughs> I'm afraid it's all over, Uncle Thank Morgan you. states dejectedly. <laughs> What's all over, Uncle Morgan? What's this all about? Your heart is pounding. Your eyes are frantically searching for some place to hide. I didn't want you mixed up in this. I tried hard to keep you this uh, to keep this part of my life separate from you, but before he can finish the sentence, the door bursts open and a harsh foreign voice. Boy, really leaning on that word in this book. I, yeah, it's like we get it (laughs) yeah yeah uh it commands you to come out one by one with your hands in the air the woman next to you fires an automatic weapon and the loft explodes in a deadly swarm of gunfire before long they have set the loft on fire and you are unable to escape the mystery of uncle morgan will never be solved oh my god (laughs) wow oh no all that and uh and we're dead I, you hate to yeah. see it. <laughs> well, we made some wrong choices along the way. I guess so. They really uh, pulled the rug out from under us, huh? I thought we were doing great. Me and too. All of a sudden, we're dead. I guess they uh, want to teach us a lesson about humbleness, and we uh, <laughs> shouldn't, should never have stepped up to the position of authority here. Don't speak up. <laughs> also, again, they were armed. Yeah, they yeah they did lie. Um, wow. All right. Well, let's uh, let's do a little rewind action here. Also, I just want to say I am not convinced Uncle Morgan is the good guy here. No, definitely not. Okay, so we're gonna rewind just one decision. See how that uh, goes <laughs> with us. And uh, and like we said, we're learning our lesson about humility. And so we're gonna go with Uncle Morgan and them to the launch. <laughs> we gotta find out. All right. Uh, again, little uh, little nice picture here. Although this looks like something you might find on like a boardwalk. <laughs> <laughs> you realize that it might be best to just follow the man and woman and hope that they know what they're doing. Hurry, there isn't much time, the woman says. Where is the boat, you ask? Main dock, straight ahead. The man replies as he helps Uncle Morgan, who's helping difficulty walking. Moving swiftly to your uncle's side, you put your arm around him for support. The main dock is covered with canvas, and it muffles the sound of your footsteps. It's an eerie feeling being out here this time of year, lonely and isolated. (laughs) The launch is a 35-foot cigarette boat, one of the fastest boats built. Here we go. It's bright red and white striping. Certainly isn't designed to look anonymous in the water. What are they planning, you wonder? It's difficult getting your Uncle Morgan on board, but when he's secure, you quickly busy yourself with the lines casting off. The powerful twin engines kick to life, and the launch moves away from the dock just as the headlights of the car enter the Yacht Club parking lot. We're getting away! (laughs) Hell yeah, it worked. Uh, The cigarette shoots ahead with a surge of power that throws you back into the padded seats. This must be paid for by (laughs) the people who own these fucking vehicles, because they are really getting a sales pitch. Uh, The woman at the wheel powers through the calm water at 40 knots and climbing. The running lights are off. Can you explain how fast that is? Oh, boy. Uh, That's actually a good question. The non-boaters. 46 miles an hour. The high-speed side thrusts you out into the middle of the bay, and there, dead in the water, is a large gray yacht. It, too, has its light off. The cigarette neatly slides up to this huge, ominous-looking craft. Hands reach down, pulling all four of you aboard. It's at this very moment a helicopter descends over the yacht, its searchlights shining directly on you and your Uncle Morgan. U.S. Coast Guard, prepare for boarding. Do not move. Repeat. Do not move. What's going on, you shout? Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Quick. 
quickly. The men on deck begin dumping packages into the water. You can only imagine their contents. Two more helicopters arrive. An armed Coast Guard patrol boat pulls up next to your boat, and the guards surround you. You are all under arrest. Don't worry, says Uncle Morgan. I'll explain later. The end. Wow. Uh, Incredible. He's not even going to tell you why you're getting arrested. I knew he was the bad guy. Literally all that's happened so far is we've been shot at and gotten sales pitches on like five different vehicles. <laughs> yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm interested in purchasing this boat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I was gonna, uh, if I was gonna get a boat, then it would probably be that cigarette. It sounded pretty sweet. Okay, since that one didn't work, we're gonna rewind a little further back. Um, and <laughs> oh, we're gonna it worked. Go... I feel like it worked. <laughs> That's true. I mean, you didn't do anything wrong. So uh, you might be under arrest, but I mean, uh, ostensibly you'll be getting out relatively soon. We hope, you know, we're going to go a little further back uh, to two decisions. We're actually not even going to approach the man and woman. We've we're done with them. (laughs) We're going to duck down the road instead. Your instincts for survival advise you to leave at once. Skidding the bike into, into a 180-degree turn, you roar down the side road on the right, expecting bullets to penetrate your back at any moment. But nothing of the kind happens. Wow. This picture here, friggin' Mad Max, like, yeah, it's cool. radioactive wasteland ninja here. He's looking like a fucking badass on this bike. Slowing down, you come to a stop and turn back to see if you are being followed. In the distance, you pick out the sound of a car at high speed going the opposite direction from you and another coming your way. You turn around and head back to the hard top road. So you've now turned around twice. <laughs> Uncle Morgan needs your help. But when you reach the road, you're immediately bathed in the harsh white of searchlights. Hands up. Don't move. Anything you say kind of will be used against you, comes the voice from the last speakers. <laughs> Three state troopers advance on you, their weapons drawn. On the one hand, you're glad these are the authorities. On the other hand, you're upset with the way that they're treating you. Okay. Aww. <laughs> Okay, white guy. (laughs) (laughs) They do a quick search, satisfying themselves that you're not armed. You are then asked to explain yourself. Never in your life had you talked so hard and so fast and so earnestly. You tell them everything that's happened to you since you came home from school. Uncle Morgan's life may depend on any one of a number of details. The lieutenant seems to believe you, and he radios into his superiors for orders. You wait, fidgeting at the delay. The longer you wait, the harder it may be to find your Uncle Morgan. The lieutenant looks up. Okay, it's a go. Helicopter is on its way, he says. The lieutenant and his men seem to be through with you. You step back into the shadows of early evening, apparently forgotten by the trooper. Soon, a very large helicopter marked U.S. Coast Guard drops down in a field next to the road. Oh, they're back. And I (laughs) had the same voice for both of them, so this should be interesting. Two officers in flight gear jump from the craft and join the state troopers shouting over the sound of the rotors. You turn around and head back to Swansong. There must be plenty of clues to investigate there, you think. As you walk to your motorcycle, you can't ignore the huge helicopter. Maybe, just maybe, you think, you could sneak on board. There isn't much time. You must hurry if you're going to do it. Oh, shit. Okay, big decision here. Darcy, are we going to return to Swansong to look for clues, or are we going to sneak on board the helicopter? I can't believe we just snitched on our uncle. Big time. Yeah, we, we talked to the cops without a lawyer. I, <laughs> like, we're making all kinds of mistakes. Rookie. Real rookie. Gosh, let's go back to Swan Song. I don't know. I'm not risking it. Yeah, I mean, frankly, I kind of want to see what's going on with that cover. I was promised <laughs> a knife with blood and a fucking cat. Yeah, agreed. Where's the bobcat? Okay, here we go. We got, at the very least, a picture of an elephant statue here right away. Sneaking on board the helicopter might be dangerous. 
You think it might be wiser and safer for you to head back to your uncle's house to see what you can find. You stand alone in the woods as the helicopter clatters off, leaving you beside the road. You wait several minutes, then return the way you came on the motorcycle. Swansong looks mysterious as you turn up the long driveway. I wonder if the cops will be here, you say out loud, <laughs> but they're not anywhere around. You gotta tell me if you're here, cops. <laughs> Maybe they've come and gone. Heath, Maxine, you call out to your uncle's handyman and Mac. Oh, those handyman, characters we know. <laughs> handyman and housekeeper. There is no response. For a moment, you seriously consider leaving Swansong. You just got there, man. But you gather up your courage and return to the study. It's just as you left it, with the bloody rug and vicious dagger still stuck in the floor. Carefully, you search the desk, looking for any possible clues to these strange events. The drawers are unlocked, and the papers inside reveal nothing unusual. You're at a loss to explain anything. Then your eye catches the small marble statue carving of an elephant that has always fascinated you. It sits on a heavy wooden base. Instinctively, you are drawn to the carving, and you pick it up for closer examination. You find nothing at first. Persisting in your examination, you focus attention on the wooden base. It's composed of several layers of fine teak in an intricate pattern. Rubbing your fingers along the wood, you hear a click, and a small opening appears. Inside the wooden base of the elephant is a tightly rolled piece of paper with a list of names and addresses written on it. They're all foreign, except for two located in New York City. At the bottom of the list is a name and a telephone number. You recognize the name as the head of the FBI. Of course. Everyone's favorite uh, piece of government information to memorize is the name of the head of the FBI. Okay, look, I do usually know. (laughs) Is Uncle Morgan an undercover agent, you ask yourself? You are sure he is, and you are filled with pride. But fear soon replaces pride as uh, as the door to the study swings open and a a man enters wearing a mask of black silk. Hand over the list, he says. You hand it over, and to your amazement, he turns around quickly and leaves. You are safe for the time being, but now you're not so sure about your uncle. (laughs) The end. Wow. Truly a snitch of epic proportions. Yeah, that was the snitch route. Um, I wish that guy (laughs) at the end had been wearing a, like, silk robe, and then it had gotten, like... (laughs) sexy but it didn't so it's like oh what if i give you a kiss instead of this list of names <laughs> smoochy and then smooch. it's a whole different choose your own adventure yep exactly well um we have well i guess depending on how you look at it failed <laughs> and or succeeded although i must say uh that seemed like a real like the i don't want to say a cop-out but like it felt like that ha- that happened awfully quickly, considering you know what the cover of the book promises. There must be another way to get back there and actually yeah. do stuff. But there's gotta be there's gotta be a bombcat somewhere. But I don't know where. <laughs> I guess I don't think it would be on the helicopter, but maybe it is. I don't know. Do we want to do we want to do this or do we want to? Um, I, I don't even know what was the other one. I guess um, let's board the helicopter. All right, let's do the helicopter action. If they won't let us return to Swansong to look for clues, we're going to do this. Luck is with you. The pilot and the co-pilot are too busy with the, with the controls to pay attention to the passenger or the cargo bay. And the two officers are talking with the troopers. An enlisted man who is left on the helicopter is busy fussing with the equipment. Now, you say to yourself, and before you can change your mind, you quickly step from the, from the shadows and quietly climb aboard the helicopter. No one sees you. I mean, helicopters are not that big. Um, 
But you are uh, dressed like Mad Max, so... That's true. <laughs> yeah, so you definitely just blend right in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you retreat to the rear of the aircraft and take a position behind a pile of life jackets, webbed netting, and other gear. There's a little light inside, and you feel certain that your chances are good at not being discovered. Snuggled up against the gear, you wait for what seems like hours, but is really little more than minutes. Then the officers, the state troopers, and their lieutenant clamber aboard. A signal is given to the pilots, and the helicopter staggers up into the sky. Uh, a large body of water spreads out below you. By the way, this is now, what, our fifth vehicle that we're in? <laughs> they better tell uh, us how fast it is. <laughs> I need the exact mo- make and model of this helicopter. A large body of water spreads out below you. The helicopter remains stationary, hovering about 500 feet above the bay. <laughs> the crew is searching for boats. They spot several, and finally you swoop down, approaching the first boat. What are they hoping to find, you ask yourself? Searchlights snap on and illuminate a medium-sized commercial cargo boat. You can't make out what the state trooper, the pilot, and the co-pilot are saying. but All at the same time. <laughs> but soon, <laughs> the helicopter moves off in search of different prey. Before long, they have found what they want. A large, gray, ocean-going vessel. Oh, it's back. <laughs> it shows no running lights. Snuggled left next to its hull is a red and white speedboat, the cigarette, if ever we've seen it. Prepare to board, comes a voice over the intercom. It startles you, and your sudden movement almost reveals your position. The helicopter hovers directly over the gray vessel, a mere ten feet from the deck. The searchlights bathe in the entire ship in an eerie glow. U.S. Coast Guard, we are boarding you. (laughs) There is no response, no sign of human activity anywhere. Two of the Coast Guard crew descend on a cable. They carry automatic weapons and are protected by state troopers, similarly armed, who have taken positions at the open side of the helicopter. Before they have a chance to board the vessel, an enormous explosion rips through the midsection of the boat. What? The helicopter drops to the water, scraping the side of the now-burning boat. It lands with a nasty thud but stays afloat, at least for the time being. The abrupt, sharp hammering of weapons fire surrounds you. A stitching of bullet holes appears almost magically right next to you in the thin skin of the helicopter. Quickly, you jump free of the helicopter and land in the cold salt water. Wow, excellent picture here. Yeah, again. great artwork. Falling in silhouette. Friggin' madmen up in here. <laughs> da, 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 da. The helicopter is still floating, and the gray vessel is burning but not sinking. The bomb ripped open the midsection of the boat a mere one page ago. <laughs> Hey, I've seen Titanic. I know how it happens. <laughs> uh, you swim towards the red and white launch. Small arms fire continues. You can't see what's going on. You hear the sound of other helicopters, and you think you see a yacht approaching. You know you've got to get out of the frigid waters fast, but you're not sure which craft is safer. If you climb aboard the red and white launch, click here. If you climb aboard the yacht, click here. Wow, we could get back in the cigarette. Or yacht. we haven't been on the yacht yet. I feel like we got to go yacht. Let's go, yacht. Silk Road. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Quickly, you climb the boarding ladder to the gray yacht. The fire amidst the ship is burning with a steady orange glow. There are no more sounds of gunfire. Moving slowly, you enter the aft compartment, a large, beautifully decorated lounge. You sink exhausted into an armchair. That's when the fuel tanks blow. <laughs> the end. Oh, my gosh. They really just take you by surprise. And honestly, the format of this book right now really worked. (laughs) (laughs) Genuinely took me by surprise. It really did. I was like, I thought like maybe on the yacht we'd get some more information. Yeah. 
Yeah. But uh, we just blew up. Get exploded. Um, <laughs> you hate to see it. I mean, we should have we should have seen that coming. Like, <laughs> yachts got Perhaps. Yellow. Perhaps. Um, all right. Well, uh, how far back do we want to go there? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Should we go all the way to the beginning and not chase? <laughs> like, Look, I, I'm going to say we do one more run here. Okay. So we've rewound further back. We <laughs> don't know what's going on with that branch. And so we are really interested in trying to get back to this house and seeing what this bobcat has going on. So we went back to the other path. We um, risked finding out what the man and woman wanted. We went and talked to them. Uncle Morgan said, oh, I think you should actually turn around and go. And that's exactly what we're doing. So we're taking the chance to get back on our bike and turn around. Click here. Uncle Morgan smiles (laughs) and you agree to turn around and head back to the house. You take one last look, then smile back at him reassuringly. He winces with pain. You flinch, and the thought of what may happen to him makes it harder for you to leave him. A plan immediately forms in your head. I'll double back on the low road and pick up their trail again, you say to yourself. Hurry, we haven't time to waste. There may be others, the woman says. They climb into the car, slam the doors, and are gone, leaving you alone by the side of the road. Once again, you're racing on your motorcycle, hanging on as you zoom off down a back road. Your only hope is it connects with the road that Uncle Morgan is now on. The road ahead becomes very narrow and soon turns to dirt and gravel. It's heavily rutted from the fall rains, and you'll have to proceed slowly. You splash through the puddles and skid through thick, clinging mud. You have to keep reaching up to clean the mud from your face. It's hard to see and maintain your balance. You're losing time, and time certainly seems to be running out. That's redundant. What is... (laughs) Right... (laughs) Very. I think this guy was probably paid by the word. (laughs) You're losing time. And oh, yeah, that's what we just said. Uh, What is going on? You ask yourself. What's Uncle Morgan up to? Then something clicks into place. Those two people with him seem vaguely familiar. You try to piece it all together. Somewhere you've seen them before, but where? Then you remember. It was three years ago. They spent the period between Christmas and New Year at Uncle Morgan's. You didn't think that they were very friendly even then. But then again, Uncle Morgan's friends never are. At last, you hit the paved road again. It's dark, and you switch on your high beams. The car with Uncle Morgan is nowhere to be seen. Feeling of despair and failure comes over you. Driving frantically, you search the road ahead for signs of the car. You miss a turn, and the next instance, you smash full force into a large oak. That's some Ethan Frome shit. Wow. Three days later, you finally come out of a coma. Your head is swathed up in bandages, and your left leg is in a cast up to the hip. You are in pain. What happened? You'll be fine, the nurse replies. You ask about your uncle, but they know nothing. You try to find some comfort in the fact he hasn't ended up in the hospital, but you're not sure if that's good news or not. The end. Wow. What what an ending. (laughs) What if we had picked that one first? <laughs> I guess that there really is only one way to proceed, and that would have been to get on the cigarette boat. But we really, uh, our guy got real beat up. <laughs> um, well, in this one, he didn't die. Yeah, that's true. Just a coma and broken hip and hurt head. And, um, you know, but he's alive. And I think my favorite one was when the yacht blew up, though. I think that's my favorite. <laughs> That's pretty great. You know, yeah, like you said, we probably should have seen that coming, but I truly <laughs> did think that, like, there would be, like, someone on there to be like, you need to go find this clue, and then you, like, jump off, and no, instead you just get torn apart by an explosion. <laughs> so, 
So there's that. But at the end of the day, I would call this a, a success as long as the goal was to find out about a whole bunch of new cars that I'm going to be looking into and uh, various modes of transportation. So, uh, Darcy, I want to thank you for coming on to uh, humor me and go through this uh, this choose-your-own-adventure with me. Uh, I'm sorry we didn't get to find out what that Bobcat was about, but uh, at the very least, I want to give you a platform to, to tell people where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter at Darcy Lou, L-O-U. Uh, you can also follow the Movie Likers Guild on Twitter. That's where... We talk about movies. We do live shows when live shows exist. And, <laughs> um, but we, do, we tweet a lot about movies. So They're a great time, and they know a lot about movies, and uh, they always have great recommendations for me. So definitely follow them. And uh, as far as my stuff, you can find me on Little Horror PHL on Twitter. There is a new website, littlehorrorphl.com. You can go on there and listen to the show right on the website, or you can get the RSS feed for your apps. It has links to the stores and all the social platforms and everything. So basically, that will be the new place for all your best little horror house in Philly needs. So make sure you check that out. And uh, yeah, leave a review and a rating if you're enjoying the show. And uh, that's pretty much it. Thanks again, Darcy, and uh, everyone out there, read uh, a book. Read a choose-your-own-adventure book. <laughs> read a book. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. Thanks again, Darcy. Bye. Bye.